Do you like the way that we enter into social discourse with one another these days? Do you like the way that people shout at each other when they're in disagreement and want to definitively push their point while pushing everyone else out of the way and refusing to listen and dialogue with other people? Do you like the fact that within our culture today, people are canceled and thrown away, considered to be non-human beings if they don't agree with or embrace a particular philosophy, political ideology, or social movement of the day? Do you like the way that people are treating one another, we can observe it today, in terms of what I just described? I don't think any of us do, at least I hope not. And we ask, what can we do? What can be done? Can there be a remedy to such things, such obstinance and refusal to listen that we see in our culture today? Can there be healing? Can there be reconciliation, harmony, and peace in terms of how we live with one another and indeed how we treat one another? The Gospel says yes. Yes, there is. Even if we live in a world or a society or even in groups of people these days that don't necessarily embrace the gospel or they don't accept it at all or they don't even give any kind of credence to it. Tonight, Jesus presents to us in a very simple and logical way a challenging teaching about how we reconcile with one another and how we forgive one another. I'm not going to claim that we're perfect at it, nor am I going to claim really that it's easy. But I'd like to propose a couple of images to you before we enter into, very briefly, the teaching that Jesus gave to us in tonight's Gospel. The first one involves the cross. It's a beautiful cross that we have in our sanctuary. It's been, and I understand why, it's been sanitized though. It's ugly enough to see Jesus up there on the cross and putting yourself in that place of him being there or you being present as he's on the cross. But the thing that this is not communicating here in this beautiful wooden sculpture that it is, is the blood that he was shedding and I'm not trying to be gross, but if I were to stand underneath the cross right now and he, Jesus was shedding his blood, it'd be getting all over me. The closer you got to the cross, the more subject you would be for the blood coming from the body to be poured over you. And it's not comfortable to think about. It's not comfortable necessarily to think about the fact that here is the sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins the divine and fully human Son of God. But that, brothers and sisters, is where we start. We start with the cross and we start with the precious blood of Jesus that was poured out 
as a sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins, of all sins. That's the source. Then we go to such teachings, not limited to, but to such teachings, as Jesus had, for example, the good shepherd who goes out and seeks the lost sheep. Remember that? Jesus, I'm the good shepherd, and, and the shepherd goes out, looks for that one lost sheep, takes that sheep, puts it around the nape of his neck, and brings it back into the fold. That's the Son of God who sacrificed himself for us. He's saying, I search out the lost. And we're all lost in some way because we sin. But there are also people who are lost because they sin against others like you or like me. He seeks the lost. Lastly, and number three, I'd like also to evoke the imagery for you of the parable of the prodigal son. Now, this is the heavenly father, now the father, receiving that son who utterly rejected him, and the son was apologizing for what he had done while the father was embracing him and drawing him close to his heart. Such is the mercy of God in terms of our own sinfulness. Mercy of God in terms of our own sinfulness. The judgment that God has passed for our sins is Jesus, who was crucified, sacrificed himself, died, and rose from the dead. May I suggest that those images that I just invoked for you, or evoked for you, can help to inform us in terms of what Jesus is teaching in the gospel tonight. He said that if a brother or sister sins against you, go to that brother or sister and tell them about it. Not yell them about it, but tell them about it. Tell them your injury. Tell them how they injured you, I mean, in true and legitimate ways, and to seek to reconcile with that brother or sister. Easier said than done, but remember the bloody sacrifice of Jesus for our sins, forgiveness, and remember the shepherd who goes out to seek the lost. Because when there's a, a, a sin against another, there's a separation. There's a loss. And I know that what Jesus is teaching, and I'm simply saying it, I'm not making up anything myself. What Jesus is teaching, I know, is challenging. It, it may call for courage. It may call for a sense of, of emptying oneself. Remember when, when Jesus talked about this? It was last week, I think where he said that if you want to find yourself, then give yourself away. <laughs> give yourself away to me, firstly, Jesus says. If you love your life, you'll lose your life. Give your life to me. Well, this is an example of it in terms of this gospel. We give our lives to Jesus, but we seek out our brother or sister who has sinned against us. And that's a giving of your life. <laughs> All right, it can be because it makes, could make one vulnerable. It could risk rejection or ridicule, or it could be exactly what you intend or Jesus intends to be done, that a brother and sister is reconciled. And the cool thing about what he's saying, among other things, is that we call this the principle of subsidiarity. You don't go out and tell 10 other people what's going on. You go on the grassroots level on a one-to-one -one contact with the other individual. That's the cool thing about it.
course, people can be stubborn and obstinate or just reject. And then that's why Jesus said, okay, have a couple people who can testify with you to help you to address that, that individual. And it's kind of like, but not exactly, but it's kind of like a, a, a group that intervenes for a person who's addicted to something or a substance, that a group of loving, key, key, loving people, meaning charity in Jesus Christ, loving people help to intervene in that person's life. Not, is this in a judgmental way? This isn't a heavy-handed law of justice coming pounded on your head. But this is a way of, of the Christian community. Then Jesus said, well, if that doesn't work, then involve the church. Okay, okay. What does that mean? Well, it could involve, involve the ordained. They have, or we have, certain gifts and powers from the Holy Spirit that can be used. What are those? The sacrament of penance, of course. Uh, other sacraments as needed. But also, hopefully, some spiritual insights, some words that come from the Lord to speak to the situation or even to speak with others to that person. Could be that. It could be that. And then he said, well, if that doesn't work, then treat him like a Gentile, which means an outsider. Which means, to me, this is not necessarily exactly what Jesus was saying, but sometimes if a person is so obstinate, then sometimes they need to sit a little bit with their obstinacy as we pray for their conversion, not in a condescending way, but just sincerely as we pray for their conversion. And the way that Jesus treated Gentiles is he reached out to them. So Jesus isn't saying, forget this person. But he is saying, I think, when he said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in their midst, pray for that person. And indeed, all through this whole process, if you will, pray, pray, and pray. And remember that prayers are not always answered when we want them to and exactly the way that we want them. But he said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in their midst. Pray, pray, pray. Sometimes, I'm just saying it as a general statement here, not pointing my finger at you, but sometimes we underestimate, I know I do, we underestimate the power of prayer because it doesn't exactly happen the way we want it to. But what is it that they say? God gives to us what we need at the very time that we need it. So it's God's timing, not ours. And one last thing I want to say about this gospel, it was so cool, it kind of struck me when Deacon Dennis was proclaiming it, and when he read what Jesus said, those sins that are held bound on earth are held bound in heaven, those sins that are loosed on earth are, are loosed in heaven. We call that the power of the keys that Jesus gave to Peter, and we always associate that with the sacrament of penance, reconciliation. That reference in the gospel is, is obviously no mistake, but it's bringing out the power of the sacrament of penance, that when we seek forgiveness, when we seek forgiveness, when we seek forgiveness, that we receive the powerful medicine that we need. Pope Francis is really cool about saying that, that, that the forgiveness from the sacrament of penance and the graces 
is, is medicine, the medicine for our souls. And that medicine we may need over and over and over and over again, which is okay if we do. But the power and the graces of the sacrament of penance can't be omitted in what Jesus taught, nor neglected. Because the grace of forgiveness, where does it come from again? Right here. And when you or I go to confession, we're seeking, in a way, to be covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, covered by the sacrifice that he effected for the forgiveness of our sins. You can't go wrong with that, the power of the precious blood. So I realize that what I'm preaching is, is not easy. I don't find it easy. I'm, in fact, I'm intimidated even standing up here talking about it because I can find myself going, oh, do I do that? And how, how would I ever do that? And would it ever be effective? All of that, all of that, through my own life experiences. Maybe you've had the same thing. But I would close with this. What would we rather have? What would we rather have? Would we rather have what we find today in terms of the yelling, the screaming, the lack of social discourse, the cancellations and throwing away people, or would we rather have the challenge that this gospel gives to us to bring, that brings to our lives, that we can bring to the world, meaning others, the way that Jesus teaches? Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the one that will set us free. He's the one that will be and is the agent of forgiveness and reconciliation. Shall it be the world's way as we see it now, or shall it be Christ's way?